Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. It is officially game week, Eagle Nation. I don't know about you, Cody, but I cannot wait. Yeah, I can't wait, man. I can't wait for Saturday to get here and officially kick off this 2018 season. We are just days away from the opener against South Carolina State. Um, welcome to Gotta Talk. That's Cody. I'm Matt. We appreciate you listening as always. If you haven't checked out our first three shows, uh, we invite you to do that. We look at the 2017 season and the offseason, and we break down uh, special teams, defense, and offense. Uh, this will be our last episode before the season kicks off. It's our 2018 season preview, and uh, we'll kind of look at a little bit of everything, outlook on the Sun Belt and outlook on the team. So let's get started. So first things first, Cody, I want to start off talking about expectations. Now, any football program across the country, if you're looking at a team that went 2-10 and ten last season, only won seven games uh, total the, the last two years, and lost to each of its uh, main two rivals each of the last three years, most fan bases of a program like that wouldn't be very optimistic. They wouldn't have very high expectations. But as both you and I know, Georgia Southern isn't like most programs. Eagle Nation isn't like most fan bases. We expect uh, success. No matter how bad the season was last year, no matter who was returning and who was lost, no matter how uh, easy or tough the schedule may be, we expect the Eagles to go out every game, expect to win, make a bowl game, and compete for conference championships. That's just who Georgia Southern is. So, um, you know, we've talked about in these first three episodes of the great offseason that uh, Coach Lunsford has had, uh, bringing in that number one recruiting class and all those great coaching hires, um, mainly the the two coordinators and Bob DeBess and Scott Sloan. So definitely a lot to be excited about. But at the end of the day, we still were a 2-10 team last year. We're still young on a lot of positions. So, Cody, my first question for you are, are these high expectations, are they warranted? I think they are, and I think that those high expectations were set by Coach Lunsford himself. Um, he comes in here, knows the history, knows how our fan base is, and he knows what we expect, and he knows what th- – this university and then this alumni and and everybody a part of Eagle Nation expects um, two and ten is not something that is ever at all acceptable here, um, much less even six and six or, or five hundred schedule or whatever. So yeah, I think they're warranted. I think that this level of expectation is set from the from the head coach down. I mean, you could just hear how he talks in some of the interviews throughout camp leading up to this week and and you can tell the expectation is to win and to win now and I don't think there's anything less and we'll get more into uh break down the schedule next and then we'll close the show uh with some of our thoughts on those expectations of of just how many games both Cody and I uh, expect that we could win this year Let's look kind of at the schedule as a whole. Um, Cody, we've talked about this. I mean, 
really tough schedule last year. We were the last uh, FBS team to uh, play a home game with a Hurricane relocating us to Alabama. Of course, that uh, that tough loss to the FCS opponent, New Hampshire, there. And uh, but but this year, I mean, the the, the schedule almost looks near perfect. I mean, we, we play all the toughest teams in the Sun Belt at home. Uh, we start the year against South Carolina State, an FCS opponent, followed by a home game against UMass to get some revenge there. Then our by far our toughest test um, at Clemson, the number two team in the nation. Then a bye week, and then get into conference play at home against Arkansas State. So just tell me a little bit about the schedule and, and how it kind of stacks up. Yeah, the schedule I think is is pretty much as as good as you can get it. Um, what I really like the most about this is how we get that bye week after Clemson. Usually, when you play a team like that, Clemson and Alabama, a big, heavy, strong team that's going to really pound on you, it, that usually affects you for a week or two after after that game. So to get that bye week to to prep us for uh, the conference play, especially with Arkansas State coming in town right after that. Um, is is I think is, is the best part about the schedule. Now looking at the end of the schedule, we close with road games against Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. If you remember, we closed last year in Conway, South Carolina against Coastal Carolina. So you might wonder why we're playing them again. It's because uh, everything was kind of reset with the new divisions within the Sun Belt Conference. We'll get more into that later in the show, um, but. Even though we close with two road games, uh, they're they're winnable games, Cody, against Coastal and Georgia State. Definitely winnable games. We should win these games. And really, I mean, they're away games, but they're less than four hours away from Statesboro. So we should definitely have a big crowd at each of these games at the end of the year. So moving right along to the Sunbelt Outlook. So a lot of changes, Cody, within the Sun Belt this year. Um, we'll start with quarterbacks. Uh, some of the top teams in the conference, uh, Perennial Powers and Appalachian State and Troy, have new quarterbacks that they're ushering in this year. You also have Georgia State and Texas State uh, with new quarterbacks. A uh, kid at Texas State got a little bit of playing time, but I think like 200 passing yards total or something last year. So, so basically a new situation there. And then uh, at uh, Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama, and Coastal Carolina, they're all in quarterback battles. So the only true returning quarterbacks within the conference are Georgia Southern, Arkansas State, and Louisiana Monroe. So just tell me a little bit about this quarterback situation, Cody. Yeah, you have two of your top three teams with it's going to be brand new faces um, at quarterback position in Troy and App State, which um, will be interesting to see how that works out through the season. Um, I think both these teams will probably rely heavily on their defense and on their running game um, to kind of sustain them through at least the first few games to get their quarterbacks uh, feet wet, to say the least, and to make sure that they can handle uh, playing at a collegiate level. Um, in regards to um, Georgia State, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. But um, uh, hopefully, you know, they won't be that great. Um, Louisiana, Lafayette, South Alabama, and the rest of them have all quarterbacks that have played a little bit, but not a whole heck of a lot. Um, but they're in battles with either redshirt guys or transfers. So it'll be interesting to see how all these teams shake out with the quarterback battles, considering this is the most important position pretty much on the football field, and seeing how this affects not only each team as far as their wins and losses, but how it affects the conference going forward. 
Yeah, and outside of quarterbacks, uh, coaching obviously is huge. And with only 10 teams in the conference, four have new head coaches this year, Georgia Southern being one of them with uh, Coach Chad Lunsford taking over for Tyson Summers. Um, the other three are uh, Joe Moglia. He takes over Coastal Carolina, takes back over Coastal Carolina after sitting out last year for health reasons. Bill Napier takes over at uh, Louisiana Lafayette for a long time, coach there, Mark Hudspeth. And then Steve Campbell takes over at South Alabama uh, for Joey Jones, who uh, also a longtime coach there, ushered the Jaguars into the FBS era. So uh, just tell me a little bit about uh, these coaches and, and what and what you think it means for the conference, Cody. I think this means uh, really good things for the conference. Each of these three coaches, to me, are, are, are very good and, and deserve to be where they're at. Uh, the coach at Coastal, he comes back from a health incident that left him out all of last season. Him coming back, I think, is going to be very significant. Uh, the previous five seasons that he had, um, or was the head coach at Coastal, he was 51-15, and 15, uh, never had a losing season there. So to have him back and have him at the reins, I think, is going to bode well for them and will probably make them a, a scary team, a team that you can't take easy or a team that you can't sleep on when you go in and play them. Um, as far as Bill Napier at Lafayette, um, for those who are old school Georgia Southern fans, um, you'll remember his name from being the quarterback, I believe, at Furman. Um, so there's going to be no love loss between us and him when we do play them next year. We won't play them this year. Uh, as far as Steve Campbell at South Alabama, he comes from Central Arkansas, uh, where he kind of turned that program around and really got them to be a formidable power um, in the FCS. I believe each of his uh, last two seasons, he either got to the second or third round of the uh, playoffs before they were put out. And it was two years ago that his Central Arkansas team actually beat Arkansas State the year that uh, in 2016. Um, right before we played them and, and, and blew that fourth quarter lead. Um, so this is these two hires and the one return. Each of these coaches are going to be really, really good, really, really strong. And I look for this to increase the strength of the conference and look to for these programs to be on the rise. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another quick note about the uh, Coastal Carolina situation. You had uh, Jamie Chadwell who stepped in there. Um, you know, a lot of people thought that he might do a little bit better coming from uh, – uh, Charleston Southern. He was a guy that was in the coaching conversation for the Georgia Southern job a few years ago uh, before Tyson Summers got the job. A lot of people wanted him out of Charleston Southern. They thought he would do great things, uh, you know, bringing his offense there. Um, so he was kind of forced into that head coaching situation um, from being the offensive coordinator. Now he kind of gets to go back, focus on the offense, and let uh, Joe Moglia uh, kind of run the team. So uh, what, what do you think about that? I think it's going to benefit him. I mean, when you are about a month from the season and all of a sudden you get thrown into the – you need to be the uh, head coach, interim head coach, while our, our head coach, or Joe Moglia, is, is, is out for health reasons, that's a difficult position to be in. Um, and that's what he did, and he did a he did a pretty good job. I know they went three and nine, I believe it was last season, um, and with a victory to end the season against us. Uh, so you could tell they took their lumps being a first year team in the FBS. But with him going back to focusing mainly just on the offense and having uh, Coach Mowgli come back in and take over the reins, I, like I said, I think this will be a team that you do not want to sleep on, and will and will be a, a thorn in somebody's side. They will be a team or two that they're not supposed to um, in this upcoming season. Now it's not a head coaching change, but obviously a, a huge uh, coaching uh, change situation at Appalachian State. They have new defensive coordinators and Brian Brown and Dale Jones will take over as co-defensive coordinators. 
of course, uh, Nate Woody, uh, their defensive coordinator last year, left for Georgia Tech. And, of course, Scott Sloan um, was uh, poached from the Mountaineers for Georgia Southern. He's our new defensive coordinator and will implement that 3-4 scheme. So, Cody, what, what are your thoughts on how that big change will affect Appalachian State? Well, it would definitely affect them um, just simply for the fact that the, the your leadership is gone now. Um, both Nate Woody and Scott Sloan have gone. You had to find two guys that I'm sure uh, Coach Scatterfield wasn't really looking forward to want to replace or thought that he would need to replace. So that's gonna it's going to impact there. I think um, what we'll want to see is how does it affect their defensive planning, game in, game out. Will that change? Will it not change? Um, how would they do their in-game adjustments? Will that be something that they are green around the ears? Will they, will they be able to handle that, or will – that be something that'll be a learning curve from them. Um, as far as their actual defense itself at App State, uh, I think their biggest question mark will probably be their linebackers position. Um, I think they believe uh, they have eight of the ten defensive linemen returning, um, so that will they'll be able to rotate those guys in and out, and their secondary will be pretty stout as well. So I think the biggest question for them is going to be how will their coaches plan in game in, game out? Would that be different from the way that Nate Woody and Scott Sloan did it? And how will they do their in-game adjustments? And how will their linebacker core straighten out this year? Yeah, absolutely. And when we kind of wrap up looking at the Sun Belt, I mean, let's talk about the two biggest changes to the conference, and that's that there's new divisions and that we have a championship game finally. So it's going to be a nationally televised championship game. Um, we'll go through the divisions here. You have the East Division with Georgia State, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, Troy, and App State. And the West Division with the two Louisiana schools in Monroe and Lafayette, along with Arkansas State, Texas State, and South Alabama. So, Cody, just kind of tell me a little bit about these divisions. Obviously, in the West, I think it's safe to say that Arkansas State is the front runner there and probably will be for the foreseeable future. And then in the East, though, it, I mean, it just seems kind of wide open. I mean, other than, than Coastal Carolina, who we just uh, talked about, um, still kind of making that adjustment in the FBS. But you've got, uh, you know, Troy and App State, who have kind of owned the conference recently. And then uh, Georgia Southern, who hopefully will be making that resurgence. And then, uh, you know, Georgia State, you also can't count them out because they've been on the uptick these last couple of years. Yeah, so it's, it's, as you said, it's great that we finally had divisions in a, in a championship game. Um, that is something that's very exciting and I think will benefit the conference tremendously. As far as each division themselves and how they, how they shake out, um, starting with the West, I agree, Arkansas State, is definitely the the front runner to win that side of the conference and, and to represent them in, in the championship game at the end of the year, and deservingly so. They've been um, stellar in conference play year in year out. Um, a team that in that conference that will surprise or can surprise them and can surprise a lot of people will be Louisiana Monroe, if they can just find a defense. Um, their offense puts up points and uh, scores lots of points. I believe they were high 30s in points per game last year, one of the, the strongest offenses in, in all of college football. So if they could just find a defense that can shut people down, they're going to be a threat to, to Arkansas State. Um, the other three teams in South Alabama, Lafayette, and Texas State still have some work to, to do in order for them, I think, to be in the conversation. Um, I think Lafayette and South Alabama are a little bit closer uh, to that than Texas State is, but who knows? That's why you got to play the games, not just look at them on paper. As far as the East Division, I agree. I think this is wide open. I know everybody thinks that it's 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 a foregone conclusion that it's either going to be Troy or Appalachian State. 
Uh, but with their change at quarterback for both of those teams, you just never know how that'll play out. You don't know if that kid will come in and, and be able to take the reins and go and, and succeed. And I think there's a real possibility that if you're going to sneak up on these two teams, this is the year to do it. Um, it's just that will Coastal or will Georgia State or will Southern be able to do that? Um, I think that's a that's a big question, and there's a lot of question marks there. So as far as if you want to pick between Troy and App State, if you think it's going to be one of those two teams, I would lean more towards Troy simply because I think they have the better defense. But I think it's going to be a crapshoot. I think um, – if, if Southern's offense and defense can click and get going the way that I think you and I kind of expect them to and most of Eagle Nation to expect them to, I think we'll be in the mix, um, especially if one of these or both these teams' quarterbacks plays and offense just sputters out and they don't, they're not able to do anything. So now let's talk about the championship game a little bit. Finally get one of those of who will be playing in it, pretty self-explanatory, the winner of the East Division and the winner of the West Division. Now who will host the game? That's pretty dang complicated. So um, it will go off of college football playoff rankings. Whoever has the highest CFP ranking will host that game, but if neither team is in the college football rankings, which could be the case, then it kind of goes to a formula-based system um, based on six computer rankings used in the previous uh, bowl championship series standing. So uh, we won't get too far into that. I don't fully understand it. I don't know about you, Cody, um, but let's just talk a little bit about the championship game. Um, the, the need to have a championship game, what that does for the conference as a whole um, from an exposure level, um, and also, uh, you know, just what it what it could kind of take, uh, you know, what it could mean to Georgia Southern to, if not this year, then in hopefully one of the coming years pretty soon, be able to host a Sunbelt Championship. Well, as far as who hosts it, I have no idea how they will come up with it. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's as confusing to you as it is to me as they will do that. Um, as far as the impact, um, I think it's tremendous. Um, there'll be an extra weekend. Uh, the game will be either on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2. It'll be a national exposure, pretty much all eyes on, on our conference or on that game at that point. Um, and if we're able to host it, then then all the better. Uh, that's, that's national exposure for us, our school, our stadium. Um, so it's great. Uh, hopefully we can get in it and get in it several years in a row and, and, and win the thing a few times uh, like, uh, like we need to. So now let's move along to uh, changing our focus to Georgia Southern and the season outlook, Cody. So let's talk about some some uh, key games or stretch of games that we might face. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with what I think will be a key kind of barometer to see where the Eagles are uh, this year, and that's going to happen early on in week two, September 8th against uh, UMass. We get UMass at home. Of course, that was the nail in the coffin game for Tyson Summers. Um, both teams were winless uh, when they faced each other uh, last year up there in Massachusetts, and uh, and they took it to us. Beat us by several touchdowns, and Tyson Summers was fired the next day uh, when, when they got back in Statesboro. So um, I think that game is going to be uh, a pivotal game, even though it's an out-of-conference game and won't really matter that much for uh, Sunbelt standings or or making that championship game or anything like that, I think it's going to give you a really good 
um, meter of, of where we're kind of at because this is a UMass team that uh, is is much improved. Uh, they're they're not the same team that started the year last year. Um, they're going to be more like the team that finished uh, winning four games. It's going to be more of that second half team that won four out of the last six. Um, I think you're going to see them uh, greatly improve. It's going to be a big test. This isn't the same UMass team. So uh, how we fare in that game in front of a home crowd is going to be uh, really pivotal. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, this UMass game will be the barometer for our season. Uh, we'll be able to see a after this game, I think kind of how the season will play out and kind of we can readjust our expectations as to what we think we will do after this game. Um, UMass, they have a senior quarterback, senior running back, senior receiver. All of them are all up for national awards. Um, they also have a linebacker that I believe is up for a national linebacker award as well. Uh, kind of look at this team almost kind of the same way that you would look at New Mexico State last year, a team that didn't really do all that well, and then they get a really season-laden team, and then they go and pull off six, seven wins, and they're in a ball game, and, and they're competing uh, for that. So this team will be good. This team will throw the ball a lot. This team will test our secondary. I, I look at their offense and, and say that they're probably the fourth or fifth best offense we'll play all season. Um, so it'll be a great test out of the gate. I think a couple of things that are in our favor in this game is one, it's at home. Uh, two, it's in early September so we all know how the humidity can get down here in Statesboro and maybe kind of sweat these guys out a little bit um and third is UMass plays Boston College the week before um they come down here to play us so they may still be banged up they still may be a little sore and fatigued from that game which will all just benefit us I I look to see this to be more of a test on our defense and our secondary to see will they give up the big plays will they allow UMass quarterback their receiving core to really to really, you know, abuse and, and burn our secondary and kind of do what they did last year, which is just light us up. If we can stop that and, and beat them, uh, good things will be in our future this coming season. Yeah, and Cody, uh, you know, kind of let's talk about a stretch of game. So when you look at the heart of the Sunbelt Conference schedule, you've got a, a really tough stretch there in mid to late October. So we go Thursday night game is, is bookend by uh, Thursday night national televised games on ESPNU. So October 11th, the Thursday night, head to Texas State, then stay on the road with a long trip um, out west to New Mexico State on October 20th, and then back at home on another Thursday against Appalachian State. That's going to be a, a, a huge test, um, a lot of miles logged. What do you think about that, Cody? Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be a, definitely a test for our team. Um, let's start off with the uh, Thursday night game at Texas State. You know, most people look at Texas State and see them as one of the bottom tier. Either them or Coastal will be one of the two worst teams in the conference. And so you may be thinking, why is this really a concern? Well, it's a short week. We play South Alabama the week before. We travel out to Texas State Thursday night game. Typically, that does not ever bode well for the visiting team. The visiting team does not have a very good record on the road on Thursday night. So it's going to it's gonna be a test, uh, no doubt, regardless of how well Texas State's doing. It's, it's going to be a test. It's going to be, can we get prepared in three days? Can we handle the travel? Can we go out there and, and win and win in that environment? Then we have to come back and fly back out to New Mexico State. So you're talking... Uh, 
couple thousand miles back out west to play them in a in a team that knows the Bob DeVest offense. Uh, they play each other every year, New Mexico, New Mexico State. So they're not going to be strangers to what we're going to try to do on offense. And the big key for them in that game is that they're losing their quarterback, running back, and leading wide receiver from last year. They'll still be pretty good on defense. Their offensive line is still is still halfway decent, but their key players, their playmakers aren't going to be there. They'll all be different. So I see that as a, as a pretty winnable game in my opinion, but just the travel to go through the motions and again, to do that after the Texas State game, regardless of what the outcome is, that is going to be pretty difficult. And then to end it with, again, another short week, this time at home, but against probably your biggest and toughest rival in App State, a game that a lot of Eagle fans want to see us win uh, a atmosphere that's going to be raucous and rowdy regardless of what the records are uh, this game is going to be uh it's going to be it's going to be pretty difficult and uh, i guess like you said these three games is going to be tough travel distance and then to wrap it up against App State, who at that point, you know, like i said their quarterback is going to be pretty well versed at that point. If you look at uh, Lamb when he started in the 20 20- 14 season his first six games I believe is one in six and then after that he won the rest of his games so if he kind of follows that same metric will be game seven for App State their quarterback may be picking up and understanding what to do and how to run their offense so it's going to be a pretty tough game for us that late October. Can we just take a moment to be thankful that Taylor Lamb graduated? (laughs) Please yes. (laughs) All right moving on. All right, so before we get into our first game preview where we'll look at the week one matchup against South Carolina State, I want to get into a little bit of a game we did it uh, last week with Over Under. Um, This will be a a similar format. We're going to call this one Triple Option, Uh, pretty self-explanatory. We're uh, doing it in honor, obviously, of the offense that uh, led Georgia Southern to so much success over the years. Um, There's going to be three questions. Each question is going to have three options. Um, I'll present it to Cody. He will give me which option he thinks is most likely to come true uh, in 2018. So we will get started with question number one, which is uh, how many wins will Georgia Southern have against their rivals? That's Appalachian State and Georgia State. Will it be option one, zero, which will mark uh, the fourth straight season? that they drop games uh, to their arch rivals will be option two, one where they'll, they'll, they'll split games or option three, two, they'll, uh, they'll run the table and win that Thursday night game against app state and then go up to Atlanta to close out the regular season. Yeah, uh, man, I'm going to go with Georgia option state. two, which is one victory between app state and Georgia state. So in the last three years, we have not beaten either one of these two teams. I think it's imperative that we do beat at least one of them this year. In my mind, it will be Georgia State. Georgia State's going to have a new quarterback. Their running game isn't really all that great. Um, their passing game is, is good in the sense that they gave it a really good receiver. Um, I think we'll be able to hopefully be able to run the ball against them and be able to kind of have our way with uh, their defense. I, we just cannot lose to Georgia State again for a fourth straight year. That's just unacceptable, and that needs to, that ship needs to be straightened out and set sail correctly uh, starting this year. We just... We can't afford to keep on losing to App State and Georgia State every year. That's just, it's just not acceptable. I think uh, it's going to be option two. We win at least one of them. My bet is Georgia State. Yeah, I I think I'll I'll agree with that's that's probably the 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 safe bet there. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm 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 gonna go with option three with two. I I think I think we actually 
uh, knock off App State. I think both teams are in contention when we play uh, that that Thursday game. And if that happens, I, I think we can take the momentum for the rest of the season. And especially if if that final game, the more that final game against Georgia State means, um, I think the more you'll see Eagle Nation turn out, um, take over that uh, stadium there, the former Turner Field, and and turn it into a home field advantage for the Eagles. Um, so you know if if we're just playing for bowl eligibility in that game to get our sixth win or if we're playing to play in the following week for um the uh sunbelt championship game you know that 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 will make a a big difference but i i think we pull off the win against app state um at home and then uh, i think we just carry that momentum on and uh finally get that as you said much needed win um against the panthers in atlanta so moving on to question two we'll look at uh divisions so where will georgia southern finish in the new east division will it be cody option one first well will they they win it in the in the first year and move on to that sunbelt championship game option two second or option three third or lower which uh more than likely will get them out of uh bowl contention probably i'm gonna go with option two and say they're gonna finish second i i think troy will win the conference um i think app state will will have a, a letdown this year um, I think they're going to fall back a little bit. So I think it sets us up for us to, to be second um, in this division um, and, and for us to go to a bowl game. Yeah, I'll agree with you with uh, with second. I, I think I think Troy probably wins it. Um, you know, App State obviously uh, is in there as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think we, we, we could win it. Like you said, we're, we're definitely in the mix. Um, that, that, that UMass game again is going to be, well, we might revisit this after that um, and kind of talk about um, how our uh, expectations have changed. But, you know, after that, I might uh, change, you know, if things go as planned and go well, I might change it to uh, first. But for now, let's go with option two, second. So moving on to question number three, um, how many games, this is the big one, Cody, how many games will we win this year? Will it be option one, five or less? You know, another losing season, third losing season in a row. That has never happened for Georgia Southern. Will it be option two with six to eight wins, which, you know, six wins obviously gets you bowl eligible. And uh, more than likely with, uh, with with five games that the Sun Belt are uh, affiliates of, that more than likely does get us in a bowl uh, with six or more wins. Um, and then option three, nine or more wins. Um, this would put us not only in a bowl game, but in contention for that Sun Belt Championship. Right now, at this point, I'm going to go with option two, six to eight. I think we'll be more on the seven to eight side than it is a six. But that's where I'll I'll, I'll, I'll say that our prediction will be. As you said, I think uh, after the UMass game, we may have to come back and, and revisit some of these questions and, and make adjustments in regards to how well they play or how well they don't play. But right now, based on everything that, that I've seen in, in regards to our team, everything that I've read about against other opponents in the Sun Belt and the non-conference schedule that we have, six to eight, I think is a pretty pretty sure bet for how we'll do the season. Yeah, I'll agree with that with six to eight. Um, you know, I, I think we do get back to a bowl game. Um, I think, you know, winning uh, winning the East might be a little out of reach. Um, but again, I, you know, after that UMass game, we'll, we'll have a better read. But I, I think seven or eight wins is obtainable, you know, and you kind of have to ask yourself with eight wins, that's still four losses. Um, so obviously, uh, you know, you're going to count the Clemson game in there. But if we do pull off, wins against App State and Georgia State, maybe you do lean to nine wins because then who, you know, who's really the, the, the fourth team you're losing to, Cody? 
Yeah, exactly. I think um, probably the, the toughest opponent in regards to how the schedule lines up as far as conference play goes and where we play them, I think it's going to be Louisiana Monroe. That's going to be an away game that's going to be there with a high-powered offense. It's going to be a very difficult place for us to play. The Arkansas State game um, will be pretty difficult as well, but we have them here at our house off of a bye week. If we can, if we beat them in that game, watch out Sunbelt Conference. Here we come because we're going to come for everybody and we're going to probably beat everybody. But this, we'll see. Like I said, I think as we've kind of reiterated after the UMass game and, and kind of after how we see how things play out the first few weeks of the season, we'll have a better understanding as to, as to where we'll line up and how our, how our wins and losses will, will rack up. All right, so we will close today's show with our first uh, game preview. So let's look at week one against South Carolina State. Um, this is a FCS opponent out of the uh, MEAC conference. Um, we are 7-0 all-time against South Carolina State. Um, they went uh, just 3-7 and last year, just played 10 games. Uh, they had their uh, first game uh, canceled because of the hurricane. Um, and, uh, Cody, probably most interestingly, uh, they dropped their final game of the season last year, uh, 34 to 10 to Savannah state. Um, you know, a team that Georgia Southern fans obviously know very well. Uh, it's a team that they have, uh, been up on, to, uh, you know, time and time again as kind of a warm up or tune up game, uh, to open, uh, many seasons. So, uh, to lose 34 to 10 to Savannah state, um, you know, that doesn't bode well for this team. Um, obviously, anything can happen. They did lose their best player um, in linebacker Darius Leonard. Um, he was a second-round draft pick uh, in this year's NFL draft. Um, and, you know, of course, Georgia Southern lost to New Hampshire last year, um, an FCS opponent. So that was the first FCS opponent they lost to since being in the FBS. Um, so anything can happen, but you obviously are hoping for, uh, you know, a convincing win in this one. Definitely, um, you know, we look back at how things were under under Willie Fritz in 2014 and 2015, and when we played these type of opponents, we dominated all aspects of the game. It wasn't close. As soon as kickoff happened, we won pretty much. We just dominated both sides of the ball. So I look for the same thing to happen here. I look for Coach Lunsford and and Bob DeBess and, and Scott Sloan and to make a statement that here we are, we're back. I, I expect a pretty big victory um, in this game. Uh, it's like that what we saw when, when really Fritz was here, when we beat up on Savannah State and, and the Citadel in 14 and 15. Um, so, again, I know that they lost to Savannah State last year. They're a young team. They'll come back. I believe most of their players will return. Um, but regardless, this is a team that we should dominate, dominate in all aspects of the game and 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 really put it to them and at the end of the game you know if we don't have 60 70 points on the board I'll be uh pretty surprised yeah and I mean how how important is it to kind of put your foot on the gas on the gas and and not let up in this you know after the last two seasons we've had because I think you know if if we were coming off of the Willie Fritz years opening in South Carolina State I think most people would say okay we win 
45 to 7 or you know 50 to 14 or something they'd be fine with that but how important after only winning uh you know two games last year seven games in the last two years how important is it to really just take it to these guys and and not let up i think it's very important you know the you look back at 2016 and, and how we played against Savannah State, and even though we beat them 54 to nothing, even after that game, people had questions about: well, Is this offense going to be good? Is this team going to be good? And as you know, as everybody found out, we had a very disappointing year that year, and then it led into what happened last year. So this is this is an important game um, as far as us coming out, showing that we're back, showing that we're dominant, showing that hey, you know, we're we're going to be competitive this year, game in and game out, that these last two seasons are, are, are a fluke. And this isn't this isn't the norm at all, that, that we're going to come here, we're going to dominate. And when you play us, you're going to get a competitive game. And if you don't come to play, we're going to blow you out. Uh, the things that, this is kind of what's needed to be done. Uh, we need to put a statement out there that shows that here we are. We're, we're back in, in, in some belt and in college football needs to take notice. You know, I, I think with... A game like this where clearly one team um, you know overmatches the other you, you can kind of treat it like a scrimmage and you know that's not a diss to South Carolina State but you you kind of have to look at individual performances where obviously you you, you hope that the result on the scoreboard um, is, is nowhere close um, that you would win by several touchdowns and win early on but when you kind of look at those individual performances, especially like with a quarterback position, uh, we touched on it, Cody, in our offensive preview with Shy Wirtz returning for his second year and just kind of coming into his own, um, being able to make those reads, make those pitches, make smart decisions, not turn over the football. Um, and then when he does go back and uh, drops back and passes, make good decisions and make good throws. So just kind of talk about that also, you know, with, with defense as well of, of having guys like uh, the secondary and, and, and the defensive linemen just kind of really get after the ball and, and look at those uh, individual performances. Well, it would definitely, in a game like this, you'll want our star players um, and athletes to really shine and, and, and really really have big days with Shy, with Fields, with Kennedy, with, with Garrett, with, with all of them. So what do you, I think what we all want to see here is, is does our offensive system, does it work pretty much? Because really the last couple of seasons it hasn't. Um, so... Will we see the the fluidness? Will we see the big plays and, and all of a sudden Wurtz is gone for 50 yards or Garrett's gone for 60 yards or Fields or, or Kennedy or whoever? Um, so we want to kind of really see that we just dominate up front, that our play calling is, is really well, and that, as you said, that Wurtz makes the correct reads when he's when he's passing and, and, and when he's in the option and, and pitching and, and handing the ball off and that he kind of understands uh, the play and, and the play calling and, and, and why DeBess is doing what he's doing and calling the plays that he's calling. And as far as the defense goes, we just want to smother the team. We don't want to see them move the ball at all. We want to see our front seven really dominate, shut down their run game, and then whenever they do decide to pass it, see our secondary uh, shut down their receivers and, and, and try to go for interceptions and, and, and go for big plays like that. So, of course, in these type of games, you want to see your players, your stars really shine. Um, but more importantly in this, overall, and in, 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 besides an individual doing great things or a couple of individuals doing great things, I want to see the scheme on both sides of the ball really work in this game and and, and not, uh, you know, we don't want to be going into halftime 
14 nothing and wondering where our offense is at or going into halftime and it's 35-21 and you're thinking what's going on with the defense. So we just want to kind of see that, that the scheme and everything and that the preparation is all there and that um, that, that we're rocking and rolling and that we're going to be ready for UMass to come in up week. And and injuries too I think is, is important to um, you know mention that uh, just like in a few weeks later when you play a, a team like Clemson, which is on obviously the other side of the spectrum uh, from South Carolina State, but you just want to get out of the game healthy. Exactly. You don't you don't want to lose anybody in a game like this to an injury or out for the rest of the year, or even out for a game or two. You just, again, get through it healthy, get through it clean. Again, see that, that we're not doing dumb penalties, seeing that we're not false starts every other play, and, and, and seeing that, you know, when we do actually, you know, run the offense that were but that were smooth and that we're picking up big chunks of yards and that we're on defense that again we're not doing dumb things we're not targeting we're not you know holding pass interference we're not doing any of these things that that you see in undisciplined teams do so yeah uh, you know we don't want to see injuries for sure we definitely don't want to see it coming out of the Clemson game which can happen but more importantly just want to be a sound fundamental team yeah and I think that was one of the biggest kind of downsides of uh, the last two years I mean Cody we we weren't a disciplined team I think you saw it um, every week even going back to uh, Summers's first year in that first game against uh, Savannah State I mean you know like, like you said we'd shut them out but uh, we made penalties and it continued all that year and then into last year so I think I think that's huge uh to to kind of just see um where we are on that side of the ball it seems like with some of the scrimmages um that I've seen that you've seen um, we are getting better with that um you know we're shoring up some of those penalties we're not jumping on the line um we're not going to have uh you know stupid penalties in the secondary with late hits or um helmet to helmet contact and getting guys uh thrown out I think we've had the most guys thrown out um that I can remember in the last two years um so you know that that's that's going to be a big key too just to see where this team's at discipline wise exactly I mean the 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 most frustrating thing I think um, as from a fan's perspective is to see dumb penalties that cost us either field position or, or gives the other team first downs or overturns a turnover because when we intercepted the ball uh, somebody you know was uh, defensive holding on the other side of the field or, or on the offensive side of the ball we have you know somebody could break off for 20-25 yard run but we got to get called back because holding so definitely want to see the discipline there um that yeah as you said it appears at the last two seasons and you know I think you could kind of say really season and a half because of when Lunsford took over last year that seemed to kind of uh get better uh all of a sudden uh surprise surprise so yeah continue hopefully to continue to see that continue to see uh less and less stupid uh mistakes and to to really see that uh that we're a disciplined football team All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Gotta Talk. As always, uh, we thank you for listening. I um, can't wait to get the season started. We'll pick things back up um, once the season gets started in uh, week two, and we'll recap that South Carolina State game and preview that huge uh, UMass game. So looking forward to that and looking forward to the season, Cody. Yes, and, and one more thing. I need your prediction on this. How many games until we see the first elbow drop on a chair, Matt? You know, I don't know if it's after the South Carolina State game, maybe the UMass game. Um, it, it, it depends on how the South Carolina State game goes. I, I think if we go in there, if we hang up 60 or 70 and shut them out, you know, I, I think you might see it in the locker room after the game. Um, if, if, if not that, then at least a crowd surf or something. 
Um, and, and, and that's one of the things that like we, we've talked about in the, the previous episodes, but um, the energy that Lunsford has brought to this program is undeniable. So, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things I think he brings, obviously, with uh, the, the coaching hires that we've talked extensively about and uh, with the recruiting class that was named number one by 24-7 Sports and the Sun Belt. Those are obviously huge, but just the, the, the sheer energy he brings, not just to the team and the program, but the fan base. I mean, we talked about expectations and, you know, having uh, after two wins to have the kind of expectations that most of Eagle Nation has, um, I think a lot of that is attributed to just this this energy that Lunsford has brought to the program. And uh, we all hope it pays off. I agree. I think the elbow drop is coming after the UMass game. Well, let's hope there's uh, just plenty of elbow drops this year. <laughs> let's just uh, end it with that. So uh, for Cody, I'm Matt. Hail Southern, Cody. Hail Southern, Matt. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gottatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gattatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, gotta and hail Southern. Thank <laughs> you.